It is the Spirit of 2016 podcast. It's Switzerland 2, Northern Ireland 0. Uh, it's the World Cup 2022 is over for us, if it wasn't already. Um, and there's only two of us in this podcast because Dave and Ben are uh, violently ill and both text me at the same time to let me know. So it's just myself, Andy Bell, and Lauren McCann. And uh, Lauren, I think we're just going to have to probably annihilate the referee for five, ten minutes here. It's it's just genuinely scandalous. It looks scandalous at the time. Um, they show it back on Sky Sports at halftime where uh, they show it from when the ball goes out. And it's less than 20 seconds, uh, I think, was the, the official time. Uh, he has the ball in his hands. It's completely normal. He looks up. There's an option to throw to Washington, which he turns around and he doesn't take. It's completely normal for somebody not to take that option because either a defender or the opposition player tracks a run. It's not on again. And the next thing you know, he's 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 got the yellow card out. Um, he absolutely shits himself, to be honest, because he realizes that Lewis is already on a yellow. It's just weak referee, and it's terrible referee, and it's uh, it's 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 embarrassing, and it's influenced referee, and it's influenced by the crowd, um, and he should be nowhere near international football. Yeah, I totally agree with everything you said. And even Stephen Cregan said, you know, at the break, he doesn't even warn Lewis. He doesn't tell him to hurry up at any point. He just comes over and straight away brandishes the yellow card. He was trying to make a statement. Uh, He's already warned Ballard, not time waste, but seriously, like 36 minutes into a game and you're giving somebody a second yellow for time wasting in less than 20 seconds. Taking a throw in as well. It's not as if, you know, the ball was fired back to him quickly. He was assessing his options. It wasn't as if he was you know, walking on the side of the pitch to get the ball and then hurrying in hand what to do, you know, it's just it's just baffling, you know, you thought at the time there's no way he's going over with the yellow card there mm-hmm. and it it just killed the whole game, obviously you know, a, a break card's bound too, but the manner in which it happened and after, you know, Northern Ireland had kind of survived so far, and have been pressing forward, it just killed anything and any hope that they were going to get anything out of the game and you know, many times is this going to happen against Switzerland? Absolutely, yeah. It's uh, three times over the last four, as I think Neil Lennon said at half time. It's yeah, you look at him and um, you look at Lewis's face, and the, my in, initial instinct was, oh, he's seen something over the pitch, and he's just sort of stopped Lewis from from taking the throw, and Lewis was annoyed because something might have been on, and then you see the yellow card, and um, at that point, even I doubted that because I make a couple of notes during the game, and I, I noted down that Jamal had been yellow carded, and he was like. The look on his face when he had the yellow card out, because he obviously didn't realize Jamal had been on a yellow card or he'd forgotten it. And then I checked my notes. I was like, oh, that must have been somebody else who got the yellow card there. And then I look up and it's it's all going off. And it's not even like there'll be loads of comments coming in and loads of Northern Ireland fans saying, you know, he's a cheat. It's a fix. UEFA, uh, FIFA headquarters in Switzerland, all this. He's, he's not a cheat. He's just a complete bell end who went into the game with this mindset of it's all about me and um, I know they're going to time waste I'm not going to let them get away with this um, and he's just been so transfixed on that and it's completely influenced everything he's done in that game it's not even just the the red card albeit the red card is obviously the major decision um, it, there's a there, there's at one point in the about five minutes ago where I think it's Elvedi absolutely assaults Jordan Jones um, it's the clearest foul you've ever seen. He's, it's not as if it's, it's one of those where he sort of got past him and there's a knock and it could be 50-50. He's on the ground. It's a slide tackle. He takes him out uh, and he waves play on. There's another one with Ballard in the in the first half. It's, uh, it's, it's 
I, I don't like doing the whole rant thing because I, I hate the idea of like Arsenal fan TV and going on and just, you know, doing things for, for whatever. Um, but I'm just genuinely absolutely livid with it. And it's, I don't think I'm being too harsh or being too um, forthcoming in saying that that's what the sort of performance from a referee, a systemic 90 minute performance that requires investigation, to be honest. Yeah, it's, you know, there's not been many games recently where obviously VAR gets involved, but you can, you know, say confidently that the rally across the whole 90 minutes has made so many mistakes that you can list them. Mm-hmm. You know, as you said from the start, he was just out to not let any sort of thing flow, any foul. He'd blow it up straight away. Mm-hmm. He'd give the free kicks and, you know, the, he was brandishing yellow cards, left, right and centre. Connor Bradley comes on, and, you know, it's fair enough to not on the pitch very long, straight away, yellow card. And mm-hmm. that one of Jordan Jones, you know, was... Jones going to go down there if it's not a clear foul he's been impeded he's near the box you know five minutes to go he's going to run into the box Mm -hmm. you know he has to and try and make something happen unless he's properly upended and yeah it's just even his face you know it was just bafflement and and Kieran Brown at one stage whenever Ballard went down and they eventually blew it up um the minute we got the ball after Switzerland had it for about 10 seconds yeah yeah, you just saw him turn around to Jordan Jones and the face of bewilderment. And I think this just kind of summed up the referee's performance. You know, as you said, it's you're not one of those fan tunnels where you just berate referees mm-hmm. for every single decision, but it seemed everything tonight he did just was wrong and he just never let a game flow. He was just intent on blowing up every foul, every instant of what he perceived as time wasting. He just wasn't content to let the game go. And, you know, it was just disgraceful. It completely changed the game and any hope Northern Ireland had of getting anything out of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm almost glad he let the Jordan Jones one go because, as I say, like I was ready to smash things up in here at halftime. I was so livid right the way throughout the game of what he'd done. And then he doesn't give the Jones one. And it, it actually made me laugh. It actually lightened my mood because I was like, this is this guy is just a complete joke. He'd have quite obviously got off the streets here or something because... As Craig had a couple of good gags during the game, where he sort of, when when uh, Barraclough picked up the ball, he was like, "Oh, yeah. better watch out! He might get sent off here." Um, it was yeah, and and even the the narrative that that the Swiss supporters created with the even at one nil when they were whistling and clearly we were trying to slow the game down at points, but you know there are sort of things you can bend the rules and you can't get away with, and no doubt at, there were at times where in the first half we were trying to time waste a bit. It just wasn't at that instance and it clearly shows his mindset that he's he's gone out to do it and um you know it's it's devastating because it's two world cups in a row where i think i was sending in the pre-board i didn't i didn't think we were going to win the game tonight i don't think we'd have won it with 11 men on the pitch not that our performance was particularly bad but i just think switzerland were 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 out to get us and they were they were too effective right from the start and their intensity was a bit too much for us to to match at times but it's two world cups in a row where we, we don't have the closure of it you know, people say the Corey Evans penalty decision in 2018 um, stopped us from going to a World Cup. Well, the reality is it would have ended nil-nil and it would have gone to extra time, but we don't know what happened. Uh, if we got a point or even snuck something tonight, we don't know what would have happened. And it's just another reason for us to be bitter without knowing if we were good enough to sneak into a playoff. And even then, you've got a semi-final, a final. It's incredibly difficult. But yeah, it's it's gotten and it's, it's going to be hard for those lads to pick themselves up for Tuesday night in Bulgaria. Yeah, it's just killing of the dream, you know, even as you'd been saying before, you know, a point in this game and then you go into the next ones, you never know what would happen. And mm-hmm. even if they had a neck the goal and three points and you're straight back into yeah. you know, trying to qualify. So it just is absolutely, you know, you 
can't fault the lads out there tonight. They put in a really solid shift. I think that's probably what hurts the most. That if, if they had 11 on the pitch and maybe Jamal, you know, bursting down the left, they could have got a few crosses into the box and maybe got Washington more involved in the game. Whereas, you know, his role and the kind of the attacking side that Barcliffe had kind of maybe tried to implement with the three in midfield, it completely changed whenever the sent off went. You know, you just had to go to keep it tight and just try to get through the, the 80 minutes and then bring the subs on as probably was the game plan to start with but it just became even harder when there was only 10 on the pitch but you said to have this in kind of two World Cup qualifying cycles in a row it's just so cruel Yeah I think you, you touch on a pertinent point there to, to sort of bring it on to, to some sort of football chat I think it's um I think Northern Ireland are actually quite good at 1-0 in the way their, their shape is and the way they defend obviously you know, there were people saying, and, and Craig was saying in commentary, could they have brought McGuinness on a bit earlier? Could they have done McGuinness and Washington? It's, it's very difficult to go two up front um, when you're playing with 10 men in any case anyway. You're sacrificing you, you're sacrificing an area of the pitch with 11 men if you're doing that, never mind with 10. And um, I, I was a bit disappointed to see Washington come off, and I assume it's something to do with the fitness. I know he, he's always kind of picking up these little injuries. And, um, you know, I, I was surprised when it was him who came off. I'd have probably rather just just kept Washington on because he, he did kind of give them trouble all night. And it's the second time that the two Champions League centre-halves have have really struggled with uh, one of our centre-forwards. It was Lavery last month. It was Washington today. And um, I think it just shows that if if there wasn't any avoidance of doubt already in Barclough's mind, he has to go with at least one of these little quick lads up front. It can't just be... The McGuinnesses, the Lafferty's, the Boyce's, you know, even Dion Charles up front of the zone probably doesn't give us enough in behind. And it's, it's, it, people will say it's a negative tactic, but it's a pragmatic tactic. It's what Northern Ireland have to do. And um, certainly I'm fine when we're going to start in games up front, but it has to be with one of those wee lads playing off him. And um, I think, yeah, Washington and Lavery are, are certainly the, the two at the very top of the pecking order right now, certainly until at least the end of this campaign. Yeah, it adds a different dimension when you have the likes of Washington or Lavery running in behind. You know, the balls can be played along the ground as opposed to just mm-hmm. the long ball forward when the likes of Akanji and Alverde are, you know, strong in the air as strong centre-backs. And yeah, you know, whenever the sentinel off happened, you know, those kind of chances to break forward kind of diminished mm-hmm. straight away and Washington was just kind of tracking back. So as you said, maybe it was a fitness issue. But yeah, it was just disappointing because I it really felt before the sentinel off you Northern Ireland kind of rode their luck a bit with some of the chances Switzerland were creating, but they were kind of reducing them, the shots from outside the box. And then obviously Jamal goes off, you know, there's more space opening up and they're really vulnerable on the counter-attack. But I definitely thought, you know, if it goes to a game where it's counter-attack, counter-attack each side and you have him running in behind, you know, there was there would have been opportunities for him after the initial chance he had. And it was just so disappointing that Northern Ireland were robbed of the chance to even really take the game to Switzerland because they had to be conservative and no you know, okay, it's 1-0, we'll try stick and get the wall and then we'll see what happens. Whereas, you know, if it had a bid 0-0 and had 11 men on the pitch, it was, we're going for all three here. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you just, you talk about the the game and the tactics and how Northern Ireland played, but you just can't escape the red card. It just kind of dominates any kind of angle you try to look at the game from. Yeah, as we, as we were saying in the pre-pod there, there's not a, an awful lot of sort of tactical analysis or even, you know, analysis of players that we can do in this game because we, the first, or when is it, Lewis can send off around 30, maybe slightly before. I think the first part of that game where we do ride our luck, as you say, and we, we are playing on the break and we are very compact and, you know, that was always going to happen anyway. Peacock Farrell was always going to have to make big saves tonight if we were going to get anything. They were going to have to miss one or two sitters tonight if we were going to get anything. And, and that's what was happening. We get a bit of luck with the VAR um, and 
you know, Peacock Farrell, I think already by that point, just made a couple of good saves. It's another amazing Peacock Farrell performance, by the way, genuinely really good. And he's really unlucky not to get his, uh, when he gets his hands to that second, when he guesses right, it's just a bit of bad luck that the, the shot's slightly too high for him. But the formation is, is kind of interesting. I mean, we had no idea what it was going to be, really. I had no idea how to post it in the Twitter and the, the Facebook. I always try and get it out before... Um, before the Northern Ireland Twitter do because the UEFA website already put them up. And um, I was sitting looking at it for five minutes thinking, like, what on earth are you on here? Um, and I flitted between four or five different formations in my head. And then, of course, two minutes to go, Gary Weaver on Sky, he's got it absolutely boxed. He's got the inside info and he's, he's telling us what it is. And it ends up being Savile and Dallas behind Connor Washington. And Ian Barcliffe comes out before the game and he says, the, the whole point of it was obviously to make the midfield more compact. Uh, you've got McNair at right back who can, you know, come inside there. You've got the kind of other four um, who can play centre mid as well as Dallas, who has played centre mid for his club, but can play anywhere. And he wants to compact the midfield. I was sort of thinking to myself, the fact that we probably did need a win tonight. Could we have done a Jones instead of a Savile in that kind of left wing inside left position? Um, and taking a bit of a risk there. You've still got four central midfielders. You've still got McNair behind them. Um, but maybe Savile's presence and his natural tendency to, to be a bit more conservative and play in the midfield helped us compact it. I'm not sure I'd have to watch it back. I don't know what you thought. Yeah, I thought he kind of did well in sticking the foot in, you know, kind of winning the free kick scenarios where Northern Ireland kind of mm. needs some breathing space. But, you know, maybe with the Sentinel obviously had a hadn't have happened he kind of would have made that change around 60 minutes when they kind of really needed to go for it um but yeah I thought it was the right decision you know Switzerland so much quality and you saw after the setting off the gaps that appeared and Northern Ireland just weren't able to plug them even with that many defensive minded players on the pitch and Switzerland exploited them at times obviously they didn't get the second goal until late in the game but they really should have buried it before that but I think it was the right kind of tactics and on another night you know I think Northern Ireland really could have nicked if not a point all three um, because they had been compact and it was doing its job and maybe it was just kind of lacking that link. Jordan Jones maybe would have provided that between, mm-hmm. you know, Washington and kind of there just seemed to be such a big gap between them. But, you know, it's just one of those, again, you'll never know. I thought Savile was decent enough and mm-hmm. getting stuck in and kind of forcing them into passes maybe further up the pitch when they were hoping to have a bit more time on the ball. So it's definitely not one of his, you know, worst games in the Northern Ireland chart. Yeah, Savile. Savile is a good presser. That's something I've noticed over the last year or so when he's been playing for Northern Ireland. The, I always say this when he's playing the same mix, midfield and McNair. They both want to be that third man to provide the link and Savile has to rein himself in a little bit. Whereas when he is that 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 kind of further sword midfielder, he can lead the press. He did it really well against the, the USA and a friendly recently and he did it well again tonight. Although his use of the ball, I think, could have been slightly better. But you could say that about, about most of the players, I think. Um. The first goal is is quite a poor one to concede, I think, as a lot of people have been saying. It's um, a little bit of a mix-up between, I think, Thompson and one of the central defenders, and then there's a chance for Ballard to clear it, and he kind of tackles it into the player. It is a lucky ricochet uh, at the end of the day, and you can't really account for that. I'm not sure if Ballard meant to try and keep it in play or if he could have just put it out. Uh, I'm not quite sure if he was trying to be a little bit too clever there, but... Certainly Ballard put in another good shift tonight and I can't fault him. And I, I can't really fault any of the centre halves. And But to concede kind of at that late point, it's, you know, I feel like a Switzerland team with a Switzerland mindset of just get the half time here, maybe 
find a way just not to concede that. And um, maybe that's something we can have a look at in terms of our game management as well. But I, I can't blame them for that because my head was absolutely gone. And if they were a tenth of as angry as what I was, um, then yeah, game management was out the window. Oh yeah, it was it was a real poor goal to concede. You know, if you go on at half time and maybe that crowd's getting a bit itchy, you know, having played what fifteen odd minutes against him and having you know really dominated and not been able to make the breakthrough, you know, they come out the second half and it, if Northern Ireland had held them for another ten minutes, you know, with the raucous atmosphere anyway, you know, the crowd might have turned on them. But it was such a poor goal to concede. You know that might prove to be so crucial and. You know, the pitch, it, it looked horrible as it was, so it, you can't really blame Ballard. You know, he slides in to try and make that challenge and mm-hmm. unfortunately doesn't get it right and it does ricochet in Bolo and then it's a cool finish from Zuber. But, yeah, the mix-up, it's just, you know, it's so it's an avoidable goal, which is probably the biggest annoyance from a Northern Ireland point of view. And after that, I think Switzerland really had the momentum and they came out the second half and they tried to bury the game and obviously couldn't do so until, you know, late in the, in the near injury time. But... Yeah, I think if they had a got half time, they certainly would have been a lot more optimistic for Northern Ireland. And yeah, it just compounded the misery of what was an awful first half from the referee, not from Northern Ireland. Because mm-hmm. as you said, you know, they defended so resolutely. And even after that, Ballard, Cascart and Brown, you know, they composed themselves after the break and they put in a really, really good shift. Definitely, and uh, I think the the back three were were all very good tonight. And uh, I th- first of all, I have to say, everyone want me to say it. Yes, Craig Cathcart was very good. I thought he, he had a he had a really really good game. Uh, one of his best games in Northern Ireland shirt, actually. Yeah, he, he was throwing himself in, in front of things, and he was he was the leader, and he had to be the leader in that back three. And that that's always been my issue with him is when Johnny Evans isn't there, sometimes he. He doesn't give us that mature performance. I remember a game against Norway where he was crashing into tackles as if he was like an 18-year-old. He was just pissed off that his mom had ground him and hadn't let that taken FIFA away or something. I've absolutely twatted something on my mic there, so it's still okay. Um, <laughs> that was that was only in the first half. No, um, yeah, yeah, Cathcart, he, he does really well. It's a mature performance. Um, he's calm in the ball. He knows when to take the sting out of it and did really well. And it, it was a... Not a common of age performance because he's about thirty five, but um, he, he he did do well. But I th- I thought the pick of the three was still probably Kieran Brown tonight. And he's somebody I've had some doubts about, especially at club level. I think, and the Cardiff fans um don't particularly rate some of his performances, and obviously we don't have the time to, to be watching championship games on a regular regular basis. They're they're not on TV for most of the time for for one, and um, but in the Northern Ireland shirt, he's. He, he puts in these sort of front foot command and performances that, that we've seen over the last year or so. And, you know, everyone's very excited about Ballard and Galbraith and McCalmont and Lavery McCann, all these young players coming through. And Brown's a little bit older, but he's gone a little bit under the radar because he's not the most fashionable um, player. He's not the most cultured player of all time. Um, but he was really good again tonight. And I almost think people use the word bomb scare in a really negative sense about defenders. And I understand why, but he does seem like a bit of a bomb scare, but still puts in really good performances when the bomb doesn't go off and the bomb didn't go off tonight. Yeah, I think it's kind of suited him to come in under the radar as well. You know, the expectations aren't that high. He's kind mm-hmm. of that player that comes in when everybody else is injured. And, you know, you know, he'll do a solid job, as you say. And yeah, I thought he was really impressive tonight. And that's probably the only like crumb that Northern Ireland fans can take positivity from that the back three was so solid even in the absence of Johnny Evans and you know especially if you said a bad like when you see on paper you know you're not too sure how it's going to go with Ballard's probably the one you're looking at as the most settled and sound defender when in reality you know Hathcart really stepped up and Brown as well and I thought as a three 
they're really, really impressive. And, you know, again, that's one of the only positives you can kind of take on such, you know, a frustrating night, you probably call it, due to the referee, not to Northern Ireland. That was, you know, a really big plus. Definitely, completely agree with everything you said there. And I think the three at the back really suits all of them individually as well. Um, I think Balor could, could quite easily play in a two, but with, with Cathcart and Brown, that, that kind of extra protection, and especially the fact that, that Brown is quite decent on the ball. He's left-footed and he can he can bring it out and he's, he's comfortable and has a good relationship with Jamal Lewis as well, who I actually thought was doing quite well before he came off. Um, makes a really good block. Came off, sorry, was sent off. Um, makes a really good block at one point with his recovery pace and you know, that's a big thing about why you have, have Lewis in the team. He can get forward and he can get back very quickly so he can take a few more risks and it's just such a shame. Um, let me see. Okay, last thing before we do some comments. I've mentioned it a bit earlier, but um, I feel like it's only fair because we have been critical of him in the past. We've had conversations about whether Connor Hazard or Michael McGovern or Trevor Carson should be brought in for the time being. Um, but the last, I'd say, yeah, six months or so ever since, ever since the March International as well, Ever since the Italy game, because he makes a really good save against Bulgaria, and um, Peacock Farrell's just um, just won us so many points. Obviously, there's no points to be won tonight, but it was just another performance where he's made five or six big saves and saves that you know if if the ball goes past him, you're not blaming him for it. If they're not world class saves, but they're they're good saves to make, you know. Um, and he he just constantly does, and he just seems a lot calmer. I don't know. There was one point where, um. It was the one where Cathcart's kind of um, a bit withdrawn. And I think the, the Swiss player is a fast snack to be three yards out. Um, and it's sort of up against his chest, but Peacock Farrell literally just sort of lets it come in. And it was it, it was so relaxed. It was certainly more relaxed than, than I was at any part of the game. And just on the ball, he looks a little bit more relaxed. He looks a little bit more confident. He's clearly been in the gym. Sean Dyche has talked about that. Um, I remember Sean Dyche saying at the same stage of their careers, he was he was like filling out and growing up in the same way that Nick Pope did um, at that point. So that's all very encouraging. And yeah, we've just got a we've just got a man reborn in our in our goal, and it's uh, it's a very important position for Northern Ireland. And um, it looks like we have that sorted for the next ten years. Yeah, I think uh, earlier in the year when I was on the pod, one of the ones who advocated for Hazard to come in purely based on the fact that Peacock Farrell happened and playing regularly. Purely based on the fact that he played for Cliftonville. Well, maybe a wee bit. Just because Peacock Farrell, you know, hadn't been playing regularly, but you've seen, you know, being able to play those games week in, week out. Although he hasn't had the greatest month at club level recently, you know, you wouldn't know about his performance tonight. The third, the second goal, sorry, I thought he maybe could have done a bit better on, but when you see the replay and again, the state of that pitch, it kind of bobbles a wee bit and there's hit with that much power. He kind of does it a bit, but can't do anything. You know, it goes into the net regardless. But yeah, some of the saves he made, I think there was one from Shikiri as well. He gets down low mm-hmm. to stop going in. And it just was, as you said, a really commanding performance. And, you know, for him to put a number of those in in recent months when Northern Ireland really need him to is, you know, testament to him. You know, really he's become a key component of the team and he needs to perform as well as he does Um, recently. So it's been great to see, as you said, a man reborn. And, you know, hopefully that's him now on the up again. And, because it's a sat like a saddle goalkeeper is you know key, especially for Northern Ireland. You know when they're such established big teams, when they're likely going to be defending for so long. You know you need a goalkeeper to be always switched on, and that was kind of one of the things we said. You know he has lapses in concentration, but tonight I thought he was superb for the whole game. Absolutely okay. Time to find some comments that aren't completely libelous. Um, McCochran, Rick, Key. Oh, 
I assume that's Ricky McCacker. Ricky, do me a favor and just use your real name, would you? Um, I can't, <laughs> don't know why I'm supposed to decipher that in, in, in seconds. Uh, he says, watching the sending off again, uh, not convinced the referee realized it was second yellow until the Swiss players gestured to him. I think he was trying to make a, a point to brackets incorrectly, but chose the wrong scapegoat. Uh, both shows incompetence. Absolutely agree. Sepp Blatter is alive. Uh, oh, well, yeah, I'll maybe, um, <laughs> I'll maybe just leave that. Sepp Blatter is alive. There's nothing you can get me on there. Um, Simon Adair says uh, a couple of bullet points just uh, against the team, 15th in the world rankings, disgraceful referee, down to 10 men, key players not available through injury, away from home. 2 nils, nothing to be ashamed of. Um, David McGraw said, ref made a shocking decision which ruined the game, still unconvinced by Barraclough. Uh, Stephen Andrews says three games too many, cheated against the Swiss, uh, are we even surprised any more seriously? Uh, pen against Corey Evans, dubious pen at the home game, uh, now I throw in as a red card. Yeah, absolutely. Matthew Stephen, on a slightly different note to the comment we had a couple of a couple of comments ago, says surely people can't turn on Barclough after that. Difficult enough job with all the injuries for starters and then being robbed once again by a referee against Switzerland. Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. Um, Jim Ban, terrible decisions made by referee and hope they don't give Barclough another contract. Go and buy Michael O'Neill out of his contract at Stoke. Bring him back, for God's sake, IFA spend money. Um, Lauren Kahn, awful decision by the ref. What a surprise it was against the Swiss. I think we did well not to take an absolute scalping with the 10 men. Yeah, completely agree. Um, Tommy Millen says Barclough out. Adam McCaldin says the ref sells Avon. Avon, sorry. Um, let's see, let's go on to Twitter. Uh, Richard says 5-4-1 is a bit negative as a setup, but we couldn't do anything about the rubbish ref, I'll paraphrase. Qualification's gone. Uh, we need some decent performances in the last three games to give us some momentum for the Nations League. And uh, Let's see, let's see, let's see. Peter Stewart says automatic 3-0 win for us because of their Mexican wave. Completely agree. Um, let's take that to FIFA. Um, there's surely no case for the defence there. Nathan Nelson says, battled well. Game was ruined after that red card. Main priorities to make sure we keep hold of third place and everyone to see the Swiss again. <laughs> um, Brian Hutchinson says, joke. Chelsea says, it's an effing disgrace. Um, that one's libelous. Silly red card. Lewis should know better after being booked. Uh, we'll play the what-if card as a result of going down to 10. But basically, realistically, bar the old county, we're never going to win tonight. Drawn at Windsor in the return fixture killed us. Okay. I was going to go to a man of the match there, but there were some comments. There was more of a Barraclough out sentiment there than I expected in the comments. We knew that his contract runs out at the end of this qualification campaign. He was given that short-term contract in the first place. For me, it's a little bit of a no-brainer. I think the, there's been enough hope and enough uh, enough for us to go off the, to give him certainly the Nations League and the Euros. Um, what's your move structurally, really, if you're, if you're getting rid of him now? Who comes in? What type of manager comes in? Do you go for like a an older manager experienced here, kind of like a Mick McCarthy appointment on uh, for the Republic of Ireland, what they did. Um, I just don't think it's a, a, any sort of a viable option. Don't get me wrong. I'm not like entirely convinced Barraclough is the best thing since I spread. The jury's still out, but there's been enough to certainly not make a massive change like that, in my opinion. I don't know what you think. Yeah, and, you know, he's kind of been in the system a while. Do you bring somebody in from the cold who hasn't mm -hmm. been working with the system and doesn't really... You know, we've been talking about this for a while. That the players that you know Barcliffe brought through at the under twenty ones are finally starting to come in to the team. And you know, you saw some of them like Galbraith. They're maybe still, you know, maybe the next Nations League or the next Euros campaign is when they're really going to come through. And you're kind of wondering, you know, these are the players she's been coaching when they were in the under twenty ones. Do you give them the chance with those? So as you said, yeah, I don't think it's the right decision 
to bring somebody else in now. I don't really know who you're looking at, mm-hmm. what kind of style you're going to try play. You know, I think it's always going to be for Northern Ireland at the minute with the players they have at their disposal. You know, you have to go away to these big teams and play like a 5 4 1 and mm-hmm. try to grind out the results when you need to. But, you know, I definitely think if the Nations League campaign doesn't get off the flyer, these, there's already, you know, quite a few people in the Barclough Fight Brigade, mm-hmm. you know, it might just, the ad sentiments will just grow stronger. So, I definitely think, you know, he, as somebody said, he needs a good few good performances in these last few games. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Nations League, I think he really needs it. Yeah, and I think the it's fair enough that he's judged, you know, to a higher standard off this Nations League. We're in League C. Northern Ireland should be winning a League C group. I think Greece is the only real, not that it's minnows. The minnows are in Group D, but the level just above the minnows, the likes of maybe Lithuania, and Moldova and Montenegro, teams like that. Northern Ireland should be beating them in a four-team group. Um, you know, we've built up to this point for the last two years. And, you know, if we aren't getting the results in that, then you do have to look at Euro 2024 and see that, you know, you've got two automatically qualify, automatic qualification slots. You know, that is a big opportunity for us to qualify for a major tournament. We not, might not get that opportunity. Um, once again, who knows what the team looks like in four to six years when the, the Euros after that comes up. And, um, you know, it may it may be completely out of the equation. So I think, you know, that is important, but certainly deserves the Nations League. And as I say, there has just been enough that we've seen positively tonight for me. You can't judge him off it. Um, it's nothing to do with him. It's a freak decision. It's a terrible decision. And um, up until that point, the game plan was going pretty much to to, uh, to plan you. You're never going to get an Italy-esque performance. You're never going to get a, I don't know, like a, a Man City away at Chelsea performance where, you know, they can limit them to literally one chance maybe in a whole game. You're going to have to ride your luck. That's what we were doing. And, um, you know, we, we nearly got the chance ourselves with Washington on the break. So it, it was going quite well. And I think even tonight, even at 1-0, we, we set up quite well and 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 make a game of it. As I say, that, that's a Swiss team full of Champions League players and uh, a Swiss team that were penalty kicks away from getting the semifinals of the Euros. We've gone away there where they haven't lost in, in I think they've only lost twice in the last 11 or 12 years there. Um, played with 10 men for for 60-odd minutes and only conceded a breakaway goal at the end. So... I think yeah, I think you're absolutely right on that. For Bulgaria, is there anything you'd you'd like to see change? Obviously, I'm just trying to think myself. And uh, you probably obviously not going to pack the midfield as much. Savile makes way. Would you like to see a Jones or a, a Charles or uh, a McGinn or somebody come in for that? I guess just something a bit more, a little bit more exciting. Um, it's hard to know if you revert back to the three five two. I don't I don't know. Is there anyone specifically sticking out in your mind that you think should be given a chance there? I think maybe Jones, because although, you know, he didn't have much of the ball when he came on that one run where he did get, you know, like WWE clothesline, um, <laughs> but didn't give it. I think that was kind of enough to show, you know, he's kind of up to speed at the minute and playing regularly at Wigan has obviously, you know, helped propel him back into Ian Barclough's thinking and him bringing him on instead of now again, you know, kind of shows the faith he has in him at the minute. So I'd probably go with him, yeah. It'll be interesting now, does Dallas just all revert the left wing back and then know Savile goes out the midfield just so many selection headaches mm-hmm. whenever one player is missing through injury never mind through a suspension that you're still questioning so I think yeah I would, I would bring Jones in because you know Bulgaria is not Switzerland as we said there's no need to pack the midfield let's kind of go there not really vengeful but you know to go out and put a performance in with hopefully you know not a referee that's going to change the whole game mm-hmm. in, in one decision um, and just go out there and you know put in a a tonight merited, you know, maybe a point, maybe hopefully a performance on Wednesday night or sorry, Tuesday night will merit all three. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, do you think there's a, a, sh- a mad shout for like a McCalmont to be thrown in? We know he, he plays very well in the friendly. Recently, there is a slot there in the midfield where, you know, you've got Davis. He's probably going to start Thompson. Would you maybe do him a Calmont over a Savile or would you maybe look to give him half an hour at the end or even a Connor Bradley? Or do you think he just needs to get the three points to, to kind of get these people back off his back and buy himself a little bit more time with the supporters who aren't convinced? Yeah, I don't know if it's too early or not yet. You know, mm-hmm. maybe as looking towards the Nations League is a time when he does kind of have that freedom to bring in these players because, as you said, you know, it's not the quality they're facing at the minute and Bulgaria seems like a pressured game now that they didn't get anything out of Switzerland even though you know realistically the World Cup dreams over they're still you know solidifying that third place mm-hmm. ahead of Bulgaria is kind of the aim now so I don't think he'll take that risk although you know bringing them on for 30 minutes or so was you know Bradley came on for a short spell I, I could see that happening just kind of integrating in them them into the team a bit more and then when it comes to Nations League maybe it'd start giving, trusting them with a starting berth Yeah I think you, I think you might do Bradley I don't think you'll do McCallum I think be just the idea that you can get Dallas into the midfield and he maybe go for a Davis Dallas Thompson which is something that I would like to see I think he has enough trust in Bradley to go away to Bulgaria and do that um, at this point um, but then at the same time if you're if you're not playing McNair in the midfield then I guess you're dropping um, you're dropping Kieran Brown, aren't you, to put him into centre half, which I don't think's uh, justified at all. So there's plenty of plenty of stuff for him to think about. No doubt, a lot of players will get injured before that game as well. So it's probably completely futile what we're saying here. Um, who was your man of the match tonight for Northern Ireland? I'd probably go um, Bailey Peacock Farrell. I just thought the saves he pulled off were really impressive. Completely. Obviously, the back three, it's kind of hard to distinguish between mm-hmm. the three of them. Although, as you said, Brown and Cathcart were up there. So I think I'll go Peacock Farrell just because his interventions were so crucial. Completely fair. The four I put forward were Brown, Cathcart, Peacock Farrell, and Thompson. Uh, Thompson got 5%, Cathcart 9%, Peacock Farrell 22%. Kieran Brown came out on top with 64% there. So a lot of people very impressed with his performance. So, uh, yeah, thank you very much for coming on, Lauren. I know it's. Uh, wasn't the easiest one to come on and talk about. We're both a bit deflated after that. We're both a bit angry. Um, but it's been a good podcast. Thank you to everyone for getting involved. Thank you to everyone for listening. As ever, we will be back after Tuesday night for a reaction to the Bulgaria game. See you next time. Bye-bye.